0: So a lot went into uh, trying to figure out what this baptism celebration. Again, we're in a volleyball club we're, we're, we're doing things differently than what we've done every week. And one of that was we uh, as a party, you got to have good food, right? Like you can't just say, hey, we're going to throw a celebration, a party and not offer good food. And so one of my favorite things to do is to cook. Now, when I cook, Um, I'll I'll just throw this out there. I love to smoke brisket and sausage uh, and and pork butt. Like I love to do that. Now, brisket takes about 12 hours, right, Jordan? About 12 hours to to really get a good brisket. Um, Here's the thing about cooking brisket. I love to cook it, and I love to eat it. I do not like to cook it and then eat it, because for 12 hours, you're stoking a fire, and I think some, I think, Jordan, you can testify to this, like, you smell like brisket for a week. And so there's just something about that, that that smell smells great until you're going to eat that brisket taco. And you're like, man, I don't know, I, I, I smell like this. I don't want to eat how I smell. Like, I don't want to do that. Uh, and it's the same thing for me, like when I love to cook uh, fajitas. I know Trin loves to host people over and have fajitas. And I don't know, do you enjoy eating the fajitas Okay. He enjoys it. I sometimes do when he makes it. When I make it, you got the smell of onions and peppers and it smells great, but maybe it's because I snack while I eat. That's probably it. You got to taste the food. There's a little bit of truth to that. Uh, But there's one thing that I could cook all day, every day. And this sounds weird, but it's bacon, right? Any, any takers on that? Like, you got applewood smoked bacon. You got cured. Preach. That's right. I hope I I hear some of that when I'm actually preaching. Uh, Like, I love to cook bacon. I love to eat bacon. Uh, We're having breakfast tacos this morning, and I cooked a lot of bacon yesterday. Ellie cooked all the sausage. It was fun. Um, And I smelt like bacon. And this morning, I woke up. I took two showers yesterday. I still smell like bacon. However... I'm okay with that, because there's some things in life that are worth celebrating over and over again, just like the smell of bacon. I don't necessarily celebrate that, but the the thing that I want us to hear this morning, excuse me while I try to get this all over my Bible here is going crazy. The thing I want us to celebrate this morning is God's faithfulness. And that is something that we never should grow out of. We should never grow out of or get tired of smelling like Jesus, if you will. We should never get tired of that because it's the grace of God to sinners and sufferers. And we're going to preach this morning. You're going to hear from Ephesians chapter 4. Now, we're in the middle of Ephesians. We're on week 6. We'll kick back up in Ephesians. uh, We'll close out chapter 1 next week is what I'm trying to say. I'm jumping ahead but it's because I want to celebrate resurrection. I want to celebrate what God has done in the life of Kyle, our brother, Uh, but we're going to come back, and so I'm I'm giving you that of of just a little teaser there. But if you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7, I'm going to read this. If you feel as Pastor Lucas just kind of whooped about the smell of bacon and said preach, let me just throw this out there. Like, feel free. We are a... Uh, we practice the spiritual disciplines and practice the spiritual gifts here, which means if you want to clap, if you want to give praise to Jesus, if you want to shout hallelujah, if you want to stand and sing, whatever that is. It might be awkward if you stand and sing while I'm preaching. <laughs> point of that is is I love feedback. And so Ephesians chapter 4 is going to be full of good news. Here we go. Or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. Paul says this, But God, we'll read that one more time, But God... Who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let's pray this morning. Father, would you um, open up our hearts this morning, our eyes, our ears to hear your good news. Lord, we trust you that you are faithful. Uh, God, all I have is you. Um, That's it. That's, That's what we have is your spirit. And so I pray that you would do what only you can do, that in the midst of any distractions or anything, Father, we would hear your grace to us as sinners and sufferers. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I want us to see this morning with reading that text doesn't really uh, start in this text. It actually goes back to where we're going to be next week. But the first thing I want us to see this morning is that we are dead. And here's what I mean by that. Paul says, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive. So if we are made alive, then what does that mean for us? That means at some point in our life, we have to acknowledge that we were dead dead. Ephesians, right? We're in this Ephesians series. We'll be here in a few weeks on this same text, but being our baptism celebration, it just makes sense to preach this. And again, hearing the good news should never get old. Just like the smell of bacon should never get old, hearing the good news of Jesus should never get old old and this is where paul's coming from if you join us for the first time like chapter one this is what's happened he's opened up his letter with a prayer of praise he's boasting in the faithfulness and the work of god we see that he has predestined us and adopted us he's redeemed us he's sealed us with his spirit he's reminded us as christians that we are actually god's inheritance and then he shifts from this prayer of praise and he begins to ask God to enlighten our hearts. We saw that last week, that we would know God better. And then next week, we're gonna look at the last few uh, verses in chapter one, we're gonna see that Paul proclaims God's power in Christ. Ephesians is about being united in Christ. Baptism is about being united in Christ. So, for the sake of our text, uh, Oh, I love it. For the sake of our text this morning, I've been, uh, we've been made alive. We've got to recognize that we were once dead. If you want to proclaim that truth, that you've been made alive as a Christian, you have to admit that you've been dead. And here's what Paul says to begin chapter two, where I'm coming from here. Chapter two, verse one through three. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world. Like, we're going to whoop at the, the but God. Like, I get that. It is much to whoop at. But I want us to also see this. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We, too, all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we, by nature, were children under wrath as the others were also. So two things, real quick. We were dead, and we deserve God's wrath. Good morning. Welcome to Grace Church. What a beautiful truth. No, that's a terrible truth, but it is true. We have all been, we are all dead. Before you meet Christ, you are dead. We were depraved, meaning apart from Christ, we're totally lost. You can't figure this thing out on your own. Before Jesus saves us, we are dead men walking. Now hear me on this. We live in a world, and already right now, I I bet some of you are wanting to push back because we live in a world and a culture that it, it makes it easy for us to justify our actions, what we do. Like we've convinced ourselves that deep down we're really not that bad. Some of us think that we can live a life that is well-off without Jesus. We really have convinced ourselves that we don't really need him until we need him, and so therefore you don't need him, and you've convinced yourself that you're well-off without him. If you just eat healthy, you can live a long, healthy life. If you just stay on the right diet, if you take your multivitamins in the morning, it will maybe allow you to live longer. If you do more good deeds, you'll feel better about yourself, but will that really help you in the long run? Folks who live that way of I don't really mean Jesus have this. I'm just going to take care of myself first. I'm just going to know my true inner self. I don't, I don't want to deal with any negative vibes. If I'm good, you're good. Hey, we're all good. Maybe you fall into that camp. Maybe you fall into this one. Others, others of us might not think that our lives are quite that well. Like we, we don't, we're we not there in that camp of we don't need Jesus, but you're, you wrestle with, well, how much do I need Jesus? This is like a 70-30, 70% of the time I'm good, 30% of the time I need him. You've convinced yourself that you can live a good life set apart from Jesus. You might get sick, yes, you might have some bad things happen to you, but all in all, you've convinced yourself if you just keep your head down and you live a good life by being a good person and doing good things maybe you even throw some some money towards nonprofits or to charities and all is good life certainly isn't hopeless for you or is it folks the reality of our state is that we are dead without Christ we aren't well we are sick. I think I said this a few weeks ago. Like I do a Bible study with some ju- uh, senior guys. They were juniors last year. If I haven't shared this, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna share it. Uh, Cause it's, it's eye opening that these 17, 18 year old men uh, for two years, I've been meeting with them. And then finally it clicked with them. We were talking about the good news. Like it's real easy for us to say good news, but if you don't know why it's good news, then it's just a headline for you. Yeah, Jesus saves. That's cool. But when you realize you are sick, and dead in your sin, and you can't help yourself, then good news turns into the sweetest news you'll ever receive. And these, these young men, finally, one of them said, man, I keep hearing you talk about this. Like, I keep hearing you talk about this good news, and I think I've, it's clicked with me. Like, we're all sick people. You know, and all the guys kind of laughed and stuff, but it clicked with, with this young man for the first time of like, I, I want to do good. Like, I try to do good. I try not to cuss. You know, this is what they're... Their, their, how they track. I try not to cuss. I try not to uh, have sex before marriage. All of these type of things that they try not to do, they've missed out on what God has called them to do. And it clicked with them that we, we are sick people. Better yet, as Paul says, we are dead. Again, good morning. Let me give you some good news but before we do that i think we have to ask this what are we dead to what is paul talking about when he says we're dead to something well he says we're dead to three things look at your text we're dead to the world to the devil and to our flesh so what does that mean well the world our present and current reality of this culture no president is going to save you from an eternity of of damnation and hell Jesus is the only one that can do that and save you to a life full of goodness and grace and mercy. I love our country. I love our, our nation, that we were founded on God's truths, but at the same time, when Amer- if, if America was to get back to this great, beautiful God-centered nation, in the end, we fall. Like if you read the, if you read the book, in the end, Jesus is victorious, not America. And so just to kind of put that into perspective, if you think what are, I'm not dead to this world, we are. The current reality of this culture, we are dead to that. We're held captive and we're dominated by this world. What about the devil? Well, he is the God of this world. We're held captive to the devil outside of Jesus. Well, third thing, we're held captive to our flesh. Again, we have a heart problem. We are sick. We worship ourselves. Idols such as power and comfort and control. And we want to do the things that, that better us really as we climb this in our mind, this totem pole to God. And God says, hey, it's a level playing field at the foot of Jesus. At the foot of the cross, I have come to, to do away with all of that. Jews, Gentiles, Greeks. We're going to see that here in just a second. I'm kind of jumping ahead because I'm, I'm amped up. But... Because of that, Paul says, we were by nature. If we're dead to all of that, we are by nature children under wrath. So kiddos, I want you to hear me this morning. And adults, I want everybody to hear this, but specifically kiddos. Outside of Christ, before we have been given a new heart, we are dead to our sin. Meaning, we can't fix ourselves. Now every one of us... Here this morning is precious and beautiful and amazing children that god has created and he's created us out of a heart of love he loves you he cares for you children adults he, he loves you he cares for you he wants nothing more than than to hear than for you to hear know, believe and put your faith and hope in him however As much as he's love and he is forgiving and he is caring family he is a holy god and sin is rebellion against him like when we sin we put ourselves above god we worship the things that we want and we steal the worship that he deserves we bow down to false gods to idols we which paul is saying are children of wrath Meaning we deserve God's righteous anger because he is a holy and deserving God. His anger is directed towards human sin. We see Paul say that in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read this to you. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all have sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law. But sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one. All are dead to sin and under God's wrath. Kent Hughes says, every soul outside of Christ is in the death valley of the soul. And here's where he gets that from. Ezekiel chapter 37. Prophet Ezekiel's hearing from the Lord And this is what we see in Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. We'll circle back to this shortly as I close here in just a minute, but everyone who does not know Christ is dead. I've said it 20 times. That's what Ezekiel is speaking of. He sees these dry bones in the valley and there is no life. It's also good to note here, if, if you're, um, I don't know where you fall in, into this camp, but Paul says he isn't saying y'all are dead. He's saying all are dead. All of us. Myself included. Romans 3, no one is righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like there's no escaping this. The valley of dry, dead bones. And I get it. That's not a popular message. I've done nothing but for 10 minutes hound on us being dead and terrible people. But if this was the good news, some of you are ready to leave. Like this is it. This is... This is what you have for us this morning on baptism celebration. That's all you're going to do. But y'all, redemption's so much sweeter when we realize where we've come from. So much sweeter when we realize where we have come from, where God has pulled us out of. It's sweeter when we realize that we actually need a Savior. Once hopeless, children of wrath, as Paul says, now redeemed, purchased, made new, forgiven, full of hope. So this morning, my prayer is that you recognize that you actually do need a savior. That we try to wrap our minds and our hearts around the fact that we need something more than ourselves, more than the better diet, more than the good deeds, because if we fail to recognize our state of being dead and need a savior, then why did Christ go to the cross? If you could save yourself, why did he go to the cross. His death would be meaningless, and it would make zero sense if you could save yourself. So Hughes goes on, Kent Hughes, and he says about this valley of death, he he says, to have a view of death valley of our soul is necessary for a proper view of the heavenlies. And y'all, this is where it gets good right here. This is terrible news, but the beauty of the gospel is that with the bad news, God actually offers us the good news. He's not just the bearer of bad news. We did that to ourselves. And he says, hey, here's some good news. He takes us from Death Valley now to the highest point only through the resurrection of Christ. So in light of all of that terrible news, dead to sin and under God's wrath, hear this good news, verse four through seven. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. He made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also, he raised us up with with him, and he seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through the kindness to us. In Christ Jesus, like this is the this is literally the best transition ever, ever. J.D. Greer calls this uh, here in this text. He says the word "but" is the largest conjunction ever uttered. This is where the story turns the corner from death to life. If I if I can just get us to the grave this morning, then I know the Spirit can raise dead people out of the grave. Like, we got to recognize our our death and, and that we are dead to sin. But my goodness, Christian, if you're here this morning, if you realize what he's raised you out of and to, friend, if you're not a believer, he loves you and he's pursuing you and he wants to do this good work to you. Like, do you see that beauty here? You did nothing to earn it. In all of our mess, he still pursues us. And this isn't a religion that says clean yourself up and then come to Jesus. He actually comes to you. In your depression, in your anxiety, in all of your busyness, in all of your uh, failed efforts at whatever you think that you are good at, and then you wrestle with shame and guilt and depression and suffering. and all of your sickness, he meets you there. He's gone before you in all of that. Not once did he say, John, I need you to clean yourself up before you come to me. Not once did he look down at Kyle as we get to celebrate baptism. Did he say, hey, Kyle, why don't, you, why don't you fix this area in your life? Why don't you give maybe a little more time and maybe a little money to this nonprofit? And then, Kyle, before you're almost there, you're almost there, Kyle. Before you do that, hey, can we stop doing this? No, 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 no. The good news is in light of our terrible news that we are dead to our sin, that is why it's good news. Yeah, that's good. He's, he's loved us. He made us alive. He saved us. He's raised us. He's seated us with him. As Paul goes on, he's shown us his grace. He shows us his kindness. He never grows tired of lavishing his grace on you. He never grows weary in your failures. I hate failing. I feel so defeated Man, sometimes on Mondays, like I, I just get in the low of lows. And he meets me there. In all of that, he meets me there. He never grows weary of your failures. He never grows impatient with you. Parent, anybody who grows impatient with their children? I did yesterday. I probably will do it today. He never grows impatient with you. He never says, Sean, let's go. You got to fix this now. He says, child of mine, I love you. I'm for you. I'm going to continue to be here for you. He never stops pursuing you. He always welcomes those who come to him. That's why this message never gets old. Like we're never going to grow out of this message. Welcome to Grace Church Alito. You will hear this over and over again because it's sweet, satisfying to our soul. We will never outgrow the gospel, the good news. And just as a little Side note, I love this. Um, when Paul says, made us alive, Kent Hughes says, in the majority of occurrences in the New Testament, the verb to make alive is a cinnamon, synonym, not cinnamon, it's not a spice. It's a synonym of to raise from the dead. Man is radically dead, and he can be saved by, only by the radicalness of resurrection. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Because we're going to baptize our brother in Christ. That's why we throw a party. That's why we celebrate all of this. We use noisemakers. We clap our hands. We shout hallelujah because God actually does what he says he will do and his word is faithful and true. And that's your story, Christian. If you were once dead, and that's what evangelism is. is sharing that. Sharing that good news of what God has done to you so that others might hear. That's why we planted this church. Not so that a bunch of people from other churches will show up. Like, hey, I love when Christians show up to our church. I want us to be a church where the skeptic and the doubt, uh, the the ones who are are wrestling with their faith shows up and says, hey, I don't really know about this thing, but y'all seem kind of amped up about this Jesus. Can y'all tell me about him? Yes, we can tell you about him. God is rich in mercy, meaning you don't get what you deserve. Children of wrath, all of sin, we deserve Death, but his grace is something that we get that we don't deserve. So while baptism doesn't save you, it certainly represents a beautiful image of this resurrected life in Christ. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. Once dead, Christ died on the cross, was buried, and we are buried with him in that baptism. And just as he was resurrected three days later and still reigns at the right hand of the Father in heaven, we get to baptize people, putting them under the water, submerging them under the water. Why? Out of obedience and symbolizes that we have now been raised to walk in newness with life. I, I, pray, I pray that Grace Church Alito, long after I'm gone, maybe we'll be in a building, I don't know, might have a church building one day. I pray that long after I'm gone, that the celebrations and the parties just get bigger and louder. And and people, if we continue to do this, people at the houses walk out and think, what is happening over there? Because they hear people singing and praising to King Jesus because that is what he does. He takes dead people and he makes them alive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Today, we thank you that we get a chance to celebrate your faithfulness. Help us, Lord. We need we need you. We need um, to hear this good news, maybe for our weary souls. I, I'm not for sure how everybody walked in. I was kind of tired. There's been moments this month where I've been going. I told somebody the other day, Cody and I just felt a little out of sync this month with different trips and going this direction. But God, today, I'm, I'm resting In your faithfulness, I have part of my story is I, as you know, Lord, I have tried to do things my way for so long. I've tried to come across as better than what I was. I have served and preached sermons and led youth groups with a mentality of do more, try harder fix yourself and then Jesus will love you and Lord I I'm so thankful that your grace covers that time and part of my story is laying everything down at the feet of Jesus and saying God I I can't do this anymore and I need you to not fix me not perform surgery not put stitches on me but to give me a new heart and that's the goodness of your grace to us so if there's somebody here this morning, Lord, that has never heard that good news, would it just be, would it be satisfying to their soul to know that you've stooped down from heaven? You're not, a, you're not our puppeteer. Like we don't, you don't just have strings on us and we do what you want us to do. God, out of love and compassion and grace and mercy, you stooped, you sent your son, Jesus, King Jesus to serve us he left his perfect throne in heaven by your side in all of your splendor and the father you sent your son to us to walk in this this dark world and he lived a sinless life Lord and and he did what I will never be able to do he laid down his life on my behalf, on our behalf, and he said, Hey, let me carry the, the weight. Let me let me do this for you. And he did that. Yes, it grieved him to do that, but he did it out of his love and joy for his creation. What other God stoops to their quote unquote creation? And does that for us. There's not another God like you. You are worthy to be praised. You are holy. You are good and right and perfect. And this morning we make much of you. Would you, by the power of your grace and mercy, would you save somebody today? Would they put their faith in you, confess? their need for a savior We love you, Lord. By your spirit, we ask that you would move and have freedom to, to do what only you can do today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to open up-